listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author, filmmaker, and book devourer, Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, actress, director, writer... Oh my god, I'm exhausted. E-reader? Too many things, Bria Grant. <laughs> this episode, we're talking about nature books and interviewing author Meredith May. But first, what are you reading, Bria? I'm going to talk about a book I read over while we were on while we were on our break. While we were on our break that no one knew we were having. And by um, break, you mean we were both working more than we ever yeah, have in our entire yeah. life. Um, <laughs> um, I got to read Cameron Hurley, Hurley's The Light Brigade, and I just wanted to talk about it on the show because I feel like I wasn't going to get an opportunity otherwise because I loved it. Hell it was yeah. fantastic. Cameron um, motherfucking Hurley. Cameron mother- um, it's great. So Cameron Hurley clearly has a background in military things. Yeah, she did. Military, a- what is it? She went to college for... Uh, like strategy? War- warfare in Southern Africa or something. Yeah, it's strategy. Wouldn't be right. But it's like, it's very clear that she understands wars in a way that I do not understand. And so, well, first of all, this book is about like interplanetary battles um but it also is about time travel which is crazy and it has all this stuff about like the way wars are fought fought from like um the point of view of like one of the low level sort of grunts um but then also like what it means to be traveling through the various ranks and um i don't even know how to begin explaining this book it's like it's it it combines all the things i love It, it combines space uh corporations um, military for profit. How about that? Well, because it's all about soldiers being turned into light to be to move them around. Yeah, I guess I should say that too. That's actually like less of a plot point than what you think it is. Interesting. Um, the light brigade is actually people who are living the war out of time, and I don't think that's too big of a spoiler. So everyone is turned into these light to, to these like beams of light, but some people are maybe experiencing the war out of sequence. And when that starts to happen, they call them, they say they're part of, like, the light brigade. Interesting. So it is so good. It was it was everything I wanted from a Cameron Hurley, Hurley book. It was everything I wanted from a science fiction book. I would recommend it to anyone. It was, if you love sci-fi and you really want to get into the nitty-gritty of, like, a war book, like, this is the perfect book. What are you reading, Mallory? I am finally reading, way long overdue, Lovecraft Country by Matt Ruff. I love that book. I think it's fantastic. It, so it basically it's, takes place in the 1950s, and it's this um, man. He's just got he's like coming back to Chicago after living in Florida for a while, and his father. He finds out that his father, who has always been trying to find out, so his the, this the main character's mother has passed away, and she never knew her heritage. This is a black family, and his father was really obsessed with finding out her lineage. And his her, his mother never wanted to, and his father his like this the main character was always just like dad give it the fuck up, and he comes back to Chicago because his dad wrote that he has to come back, and he finds out that his dad has gone into Lovecraft Country, which is like Lovecraft wrote all about Essex County in Massachusetts, which is like a very you know it's a specific place in northeastern Massachusetts, and his father has gone there to apparently he's like hey I found out. I found out everything about your lineage. You have to come. And so they go, and uh, there's some cult action going on. There's some really creepy, Lovecraftian stuff, some scary people, uh, monsters. and But it's amazing because you're getting, um, the, like, 
for for people who are interested in Lovecrafty and things but don't want to read Lovecraft because he was a trash baby, this is a great way. And it's like it's a you know experiencing this kind of mythology through the eyes of black characters and just like all of the racism and all of the misogyny and just them literally fighting it. And it's super fun. It's been my plane book and I absolutely love it. It's perfect for that, too, because it because different chapters deal with different members of the family. So, like, there's whole chapters, like, that don't really have to do with the main character, but they kind of, like, go, like, other things happen. And it's, like, yeah, I, I loved that book. And so that's uh, Lovecraft Country by Matt Ruff. And The Light Brigade by Cameron Hurley. So we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. We've got a hot book tip from Jacqueline. I think we need that, like, wow, wow. Hot book tip noise. <laughs> Hot book tips. <laughs> so Jacqueline says, whenever I have something I need to track, but no paper isn't going to work for a number of reasons, I create my own Google form and save it to my phone's home screen. It's like creating my own little app that feeds into a Google sheet. That way, whether I'm running around in bed or otherwise unable to get to a journal or piece of paper, I can always document the information and it's tailored to exactly what I want. No pesky ads and a weird app or any social media connections. I have no idea how to create a Google form and save it to my home screen, but I'm sure it's doable. We're going to find out. We're going to find out? Okay. Another hot book tip. Hot book tip. <laughs> I don't know. That was like a car engine, but I don't know we should, what car No, we need like, like. A, like a match striking. A what? A match striking. Oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Hot book tips. Hot book tips. Uh, regarding the listener who asked how to find diverse authors, I can recommend a few on social media, i.e. Sam Irby at Bitches Gotta Eat on Instagram. Can confirm that Sam Irby, Samantha Irby is one of my favorite essayists and I love her social media presence. Um, then follow the authors they recommend and then follow the ones those authors recommend and so on. This is great for any author you enjoy, but is particularly useful for finding authors of color. And then Wendy writes in with a wheelhouse. Wendy's wheelhouse is feminist takeovers. Hell yeah. I like that. Lone survivors, justified murder. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Don't make Wendy mad. Uh, <laughs> and then unexplained phenomena. And Wendy has a uh, suggestion for Bria. Wendy says, Bria mentioned that she likes the empty roads slash post-apocalyptic type story. Here's a great, great one. The Survivor Journal series by Sean Little. Ooh, adding this to my book list empty right roads. now. Not even looking up. Just adding it. So you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. And if you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month, sign up for our newsletter. There's a link in the show notes. And before we talk about nature books, we're going to take a quick break. Reading Glasses is sponsored in part by The Great Courses. With everything going on in the world, most of us could use a little more inspiration and optimism in our lives. And we know that can often be found in a good book. And that's why we've had so much fun watching books that have made history, books that can change your life. This video series is a book lover's dream come true. Yeah, this is exactly what you want. And it's brought to you by Great Courses. Yes. So Professor J. Rufus Fears, which why would you not want to listen to a man called that? He lays out a blueprint for classic books drawing from his viewpoint as a historian. He explores his picks for some of the most influential classics, looking at the great ideas and people they've inspired. So, for example, how Gandhi's life was impacted by reading the Bhagavad Gita song for God each day while he brushed his teeth. Or while, uh, uh, why Marx's Das Kapital has become the educational foundation for half the world. So Books That Have Made History comes from The Great Courses, which is an educational media company that was started more than 25 years ago to make learning more accessible. And they offer over 600 in-depth courses as well as a streaming service. And it's all presented by bright, engaging experts. I started watching Books That Have Made History, and it's 
amazing. It's like all the best parts of being in lit class without Ooh. any homework and you don't have to wear pants and nobody and you don't have to sit in one of those uncomfortable chairs. That's incredible. And what is the offer here? Because you know they're going to make us an amazing offer. Yeah. So you can get this course from The Great Courses, books that have made history, for just $44.95. You know how much you save? $275. Holy, that's a lot of money. And But you can only get this through our Reading Glasses special URL. So you can order books that have made history now by going to thegreatcourses.com slash glasses. And that's thegreatcourses.com slash glasses. This course is fantastic if you want to learn more about classic books, if you want to, you know, this this it's like getting a, a college course for 45 bucks. It's incredible. It's such a cool deal. It's super, so, super fun. You can get it on audio or video, so you can either watch it or listen to it, download it to your phone, listen to it when you're driving. It's super, super fun. It's like this podcast, but more educational. And if, if it's like this podcast if we were professors. <laughs> <laughs> so check it out. So that's thegreatcourses.com slash glasses. Welcome back to Fireside Chat on KMAX. With me in studio to take your calls is the dopest duo on the West Coast, Oliver Wong and Morgan Rhodes. Go ahead, caller. Hey, uh, I'm looking for a music podcast that's insightful and thoughtful, but like also helps me discover artists and albums that I've never heard of. Yeah, man. Sounds like you need to listen to Heat Rocks every week. Myself and I'm Morgan Rhodes and my co-host here, Oliver Wong, talk to influential guests about a canonical album that has changed their lives. Guests like Moby, Open Mike Eagle, talking about albums by Prince, Joni Mitchell, and so much more. Yo, what's that show called again? Heat Rocks, deep dives into hot records. Every Thursday on Maximum Fun. This week, it's all about nature books. It's springtime, everything's blossoming, all the fucking flowers are having sex and making me sneeze. So let's talk about some awesome books that celebrate nature. Let's take a little walk in the nature book world first, shall we? Okay. Um, a little hike, if you will. Hi- oh, yeah, thanks. Sorry, a nature hike. A, <laughs> a nature day. Um, because <laughs> these books, they all really run the gamut. You can think of, like, those little field guides that I used to love so much as a kid oh, where you yeah. look through and it's got, like, pictures of, like, ferrets and plants and stuff. <laughs> ferrets? Um, and then there's That's the whole— so specific. You can, you can go all the way over to, like— survival guides which is like how to survive in a particular wilderness or like those weird zombie survival guides that came out during and in urban outfitters a few years ago um but what i think about most is in nature books and it, this sent me down rabbit hole was walden because it's the book oh, the yeah. nature book assigned to us in high school that we all must read and i'm gonna tell you all a little bit about walden walden was only a little successful at first. It took five years for it to sell its 2,000 copies, and then it went out of print till Thoreau's death until 1862. Can you imagine, like, makes so many authors feel so much better about themselves. Yeah. Fucking Walden Walden, went out of print. Not even 2,000 copies. It took five years to to sell 2,000 copies. Dang. Um, Most reviews were good, but some called it out as selfish, impractical, or privileged. Oh, you think that's a new millennial word? No, it is not. <laughs> it is People not. are like, this guy is privileged fuck. Um, <laughs> but it has withstood the test of time. People still refer it to one of the, as one of the greatest books, American books of all time. And we read it in high school, so that's something. It's kind of assigned to everybody. Um, that's my Walden history. So, Bria, what kind of nature books do you like to read? Mm. I don't know if this counts. I like... 
I like food books. That's not nature brief. I think it is. There's no because food what about growing things in gardens? That's a nature. That's okay, nature. Are, that, but that's a gardening book. It's a hobby book. It's a craft book. It kind of, but what if it is like specifically Bri, you just want about? Snacks. You're trying to shoehorn snacks into this episode. <laughs> God, maybe I am, but I don't know if it's about like food worlds. Maybe if it's the only way this would count is if it was like a gathering book. If you were like picking berries, <laughs> it was a per- berry picking book. What if it's about? What if it has to do with like, um, like farmers? Bria, That's you were you're, you shoehorning your snack agenda. <laughs> All right, then I have none. I have none. Here's the thing. I'm not a fan of ma- nature. I never am like, I want to go camping. I'm like, no, thank you. What if Maybe it- we'll stay in a cabin in the woods. And I'm like, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but Maybe. what if there's some berry bushes or nuts? Uh... Then that's fine, but you're saying I can't count that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but a, like a gathering, a book about gathering nuts would be naturey. Um, you know, I cannot you know, think of a book about that. You don't. You don't want to gather nuts. <laughs> you just no. want to eat the nuts. I just want. No, I would. I but I can't think of a book about gathering nuts. I can think about books about like eating locally and like supporting local farmers, but I can't think yeah. of anything like super. You're saying it has to be like in the woods or in the desert. No, I mean, it's a nature. Climate. It has to have to do with nature. It's not like, I feel like food books are like, like cookbooks. No, I'm talking about, the book I was thinking was Animal Vegetable Miracle, which I've talked about a lot on the show because I love it by Barbara Kinsolver. Because it's all, what King a great Solver. game of 20 questions. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is it a miracle? <laughs> is Jesus an animal or a miracle? <laughs> He's both. Um, <laughs> Trick question. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't really have anything to add to this. I have read some nature books. I won't say they're like my favorite books. I just feel like I read them and I'm like, hmm, that was a book about nature. You tell me, what are some good nature books? So my favorites are all animal books. I think there's a lot of great books out there about like trees and oceans and stuff, but I like reading about animals. I like animal-related memoirs, especially like H is for Hawk by Helen MacDonald, which is uh, her memoir of learning to train a goshawk as a way to grieve for the death of her father. What are you saying? Gothawk? Goshawk. Oh, <laughs> A I goth wish hawk? it was a goth hawk. I'm the motherfucking goth hawk. <laughs> that is that is my that's gonna be my superhero. That's what I am now. <laughs> uh, anything by Cy Montgomery. She has a bunch of great books about animals, like The Soul of an Octopus. Um, how to be a good creature uh, is all great. Uh, anything, any books about wolves or bears. Uh, I love Farley Moat. Uh, his book, Never Cry Wolf, might be my favorite nature book of all time. It's about him getting hired by the Canadian government to go. Uh, observe these wolves i think this was in like the 60s or the 70s and uh he what he realizes that wolves were not the plague that the canadian government thought they were and like ended up fighting to save these wolves um i also i just like really love reading about how animals change people's lives and perspectives um I also have to talk about the best audiobook I've listened to recently, which was The Raven Master by Christopher Scaife. And it's a memoir by the Raven Master at the Tower of London. And it is literally the most fucking delightful thing I've read all year. It is just like, and he he's this like lovely British man. And he just tells you about all of the ravens that live there and like all like stories about them and how, how they live every day. And it is so calming and wonderful. Sounds cool. So, but you, you love dogs. You don't, do you have any favorite animal books or climate books? No, because I don't really, I'm too sensitive for too many dog books. I've decided I only want to read dogs books, books if they're like walking and talking and stuff. Like, oh, you want like dogs where they're, they're characters. Yeah. I can't read when there's just you like a dog. You want Redwall dogs. You don't want, mm-hmm. uh, he, what, what was that famous dog book? Louie, Huey, Old Marley. Yeller? Marley and Me. Oh, I'm not going to read that. 
No, thank you. Yeah, no thanks. Like, I got it. I've had, I've seen I've enough never, dogs die. Yeah, I don't, I've never read Marley. Um, no, I don't. And I mean, are there climates? Like, I definitely will, you know, I started this thing last, in December of last year, where I was like, I'm going to start reading one cold dragon book. Which is a specific, like, I want it to be a book that's a, a fantasy set in a cold location. I'm a big fan of that. I actually do love big, I like um, extreme weather books. Like extreme weather that's books. That's nature books. Yeah, but I like them in a sci-fi context. You just, Bria, you, all you want is like, <laughs> give me sci-fi and give me snacks. Give me sci-fi only or give me for. death. <laughs> um, I, I, um, like I, it's hard for me to like pick up a book that's just about, ooh, it's about, I mean, I will occasionally, I can't think of any, but like, it's like about people living in Antarctica. And I'm like, that's interesting, but I'd rather them also like be fighting aliens or something. <laughs> like, it's like hard for me to get excited about it. That's <laughs> what about you? Uh, yeah, I weirdly never read nature books about pets, even though I love cats and dogs. I, I read one single dog nonfiction book called The Art of Racing in the Rain by Garth Stein, and I cried so fucking hard. Never again. I think it would tear me open to read any books about cats. Uh, I would just have to, like, duct tape Sailor and Lula to my head. I just couldn't handle it. But I do like the James Harriet books. You remember that? These the books about uh, him. He's a country vet in England. It's like nonfiction. And, but it's more about farm animals. So it's like him being a wholesome country vet. And he has his country vet practice. And he's telling stories about like giving, uh, birthing lambs and taking care of cows. Yeah, and that's something I could get into. It's really nice. That sounds lovely. It is very lovely. I love those books. Um, so you... I was going to say, if you have any nature book topics, you skip, but... It's apparently all of them. I think, I like to think I would read a really, like, super, like, woo-woo book about, like, oh, it's the importance of dirt or something like that. But it's like, I just don't, I just, like, have trouble getting into it. Yeah. I'm much bigger on, like, the history of, like, man. If I'm going to read, like, a history book or, like, um, any sort of, like, anthropological book, it's going to be more about, like, humans and things humans create versus, like, nature stuff. You know how people are like, I just got to get out to the country and relax a little bit. I'm like, I would just rather be in a place where there's people and relax. Like, not like I don't need to be, like, talking to people, but I'd rather be in, like, a library. Like, something built by a human. That's fine. Apparently, I love technology, and I don't think about you're, that. You're the sci-fi one. It's fine. I mean, I like it. I do love being in the desert. Like, now I'm just getting off on who, what I enjoy. I love being in the desert, I think, because I grew up in the woods. Like, that's the thing oh. that people forget that, like, yeah. it's not, people are like, I love going to the woods. I'm like, what's relaxing? You can't see anyone for my, for, you can't see anyone coming. Yeah. Like, I don't like that. Would you read a nature book about the desert? Maybe. Maybe, because I, I, Like, the maybe. history of Joshua Tree or something? Mm, not. Doesn't sound interesting. <laughs> I do. I like histories, but I like histories of people. Okay. So, like, it would be like have to have like the history of the people who lived in Joshua Tree, not the history of like what happened to the erosion of the dirt. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like that definitely is like just more my wheelhouse. I just have trouble with like um, like here's here's a story about this tree. <laughs> it's more like how the tree relates to like the peoples around Or if it. the tree is talking and moving and Yeah, then I'm totally into If that, that tree is in a fucking spaceship. Do you remember you... the tree from um Last Unicorn? Yeah. Of, yeah, that was like, I love, love, love you or something. Remember yeah, this? That, yeah, I, that's your is that your favorite tree? <laughs> that's probably my favorite tree. No, probably that one in that in Saga in that spaceship. Isn't there a tree in that? Yeah. What about it the Whomping Willow from Harry Potter? Oh, that's a good one. There's a lot of good trees. Do a good tree episode. <laughs> yeah. Good tree. Solid trees. So, good tree characters. Yeah. I'll basically pick up anything if it has an interesting angle, except for fucking snake books. No snake books. You know why a snake book was given to me, and I haven't read it, but I, I carried it on the plane like I was going to read it, and I didn't get to it. No. About people who hold snakes. Snakes on a snakes. plane. <laughs> oh, why would you do that? Terrible. I'm going to read it. 
Ooh, don't tell me about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love a micro history, so I probably won't refuse anything. I think for me, it's tough to read nature books now because thanks to climate change, you know, things are pretty rough. Is mm. you're not going to be reading like a, a uplifting nature book. Uh, but I do like you don't like reading like um, people's uh, reflections on uh, being in nature. No. You're like, get out of that nature. Yeah, like, what are Come you doing? Home. Go home. Go, uh, go no. home. I, if it's, like, really interesting, like, yeah, if it was, like, a memoir that, like, of someone who I was interested in, but, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess, I don't, it's not that I don't like nature. Like, I will go on a hike. I like that kind of stuff. <laughs> I like that I'm like, I like trees. I like dirt. Um, I'm just, like, have, like, a... I just don't think it's something I pick up very often. Like there's like like, like Terry Tempest Williams is a great nature writer. She has a great book called uh, When Women Were Birds. It's about like her relationship with nature and her mother. And it's definitely on my. Uh, that's on my. It's on my list. And you then borrow it from me. Uh, it's in my. It's on my wish list. Actually, it's a new one that just came out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'll hide I, a snack in between each chapter. <laughs> I just look. I don't have to read something I don't like. No, it's true. It's true. So and you know what if people want to send us their recommendations on nature books or why they don't like nature books you can send them to reading glasses podcast at gmail.com it's okay you don't have to like fuck your beautiful sunshine fuck your beautiful <laughs> oceans <laughs> go home fuck your trees go home says Bria Grant. <laughs> go home oh are those beautiful stars i'm cold i want to go <laughs> inside <laughs> uh, i want to sit in the tub <laughs> is that uh yeah i will look at your stars but i better be in a hot tub <laughs> <laughs> we'll get you a wheeled hot tub and we can just push you around you i will sit in the desert but they're better be a hot fire for me to sit next to or otherwise I'm going to be complaining the entire time. Am I in the woods? I'm scared. I'm definitely scared and I want to be inside reading a book. I'll read a book about nature while I'm in nature, but it's going to be (laughs) sci-fi. So before we talk to author Meredith May, we're going to take a quick break. Have you ever watched a movie so bad you just needed to talk to somebody about it? Well, here at the Flophouse, we watch a bad movie and then talk about it. Yeah, you don't have to do anything. We'll watch it and we'll talk it. We do the hard work. Featuring the beautiful vocal talents of Dan McCoy. Stuart Wellington. And me, America's Rascal, Elliot Kalin. New episodes every other Saturday at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcast, dude. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So here we are with author Meredith May. Meredith, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. What are you reading right now? Hmm. I am reading The Editor by Stephen Rowley. Um, we had the same pub date, uh, April 2, but he's the guy who wrote Lily and the Octopus. Um, oh. Yeah. And I saw him speak at an event that I was also, actually, I went on after him and I was just amazed at how charming he is and how funny and like dashing. And so I immediately uh, got Lily and the octopus. And now I'm reading his next one, which is about, it's a novel. It's about a struggling writer uh, who finally gets a book deal and he shows up to meet his editor and it's uh, Jackie Onassis. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm in a good space right now where I I can finally read um, 
books about writers. I could never read them before because I wanted to be one so badly. It just like broke my heart to not and to be reading about their escapades. And um, you know what I mean? Yes. No, I'm so well, I'm so happy that now you have this amazing book out in the world. Uh, I'm just thrilled. I just can't believe it's all happening. So can you tell us about it? Yeah, it's called The Honey Bus, and it's a memoir about my beekeeping childhood in Big Sur with my grandfather. Um, he had 100 hives uh, along the Big Sur coast, and um, he saved me, really. Um, the I had a difficult childhood. My parents split when I was about five. Um, my mom packed me up and my little brother and we left my dad behind and he was never spoken of again. And then my mom um, fell into a downward spiral and she never got out of it. So I quite literally lost my parents overnight. And um, what saved me was this, you know, wonderful man of the earth um, who took me under his wing and brought me to his bee yards where um I learned all about the mother-daughter bond by watching a queen bee and the worker bees. So do you still keep bees or do you visit, did you visit any hives while writing the book? Oh, I keep bees. Um, I began the book almost 10 years ago and I was um, at the time working at the San Francisco Chronicle and uh, an editor and I convinced our bosses that we should put two hives on the roof of the building right there and fifth in mission in one of the city's busiest intersections. So we had bees for a while there. And then I left the paper in 2015 and uh, I took my bees with me <laughs> from the roof. And they are now in a community garden in San Francisco. There's six hives and I take care of them with a beekeeper friend. That is awesome. So what's something that you wish more people knew about bees? that they are gentle. Um, they do not want to sting you because they will die if they do. Their stingers are barbed, so it rips out when they sting you, and they are eviscerated. So they will do everything they can to warn you first to back up. They'll even headbutt you. Um, they're just, they're benevolent, kind creatures, and they do not chase you like on the cartoons and, um, they, they need our help. And the other thing I would say, I'm, I'm sneaking two things in to answer your question. Uh, we need to plant wildflowers everywhere to help bring them back. Like in crazy places, we need to be gorilla um, cedars and, and put them in medians and rooftops everywhere you can and just bring back their forage. So along with being a memoir, this is an amazing nature book. Do you Are you a big nature book reader? You know, I am an animal book reader. I, I'm, less, I'm less drawn to stories that are really uh, scene-specific and, and talk about the land. I'm more interested in stuff like um, Soul of an Octopus, or um, I just read Deep Creek by Pam Houston. I like, I like books about people's relationships with animals. So do you have any favorite authors or any other, any favorite animals you love to read about? Well, let's see. I really liked Wesley the Owl uh, by Stacey O'Brien. She, she takes in this injured owl and there's this 
incredible scene where like owls get really protective of their keeper, I guess. And um, her boyfriend tried to visit once and she had to hide him in a sleeping bag um, and only peek out and the owl wasn't buying it and attacked him. I'm just never forget that. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah. Just, you know, I think just these incredible relationships we can break through and communicate with animals, uh, I find really intriguing. So tell us about your reading life. Do you have any reading quirks you want to share with us? Hmm, reading quirks. Um, whenever I travel, I put an empty uh, duffel bag in my suitcase because I know I'm going to buy books. And then I, you know, I always do. And then I end up just checking bags home, even though it's they're heavy and laborious. I just prefer a book in my hand. And, and... Well, my uh, wife is building me a little free library and <gasps> I am so excited about this because I live in um, a neighborhood of 50s homes where like people paint their houses, you know, Pepto-Pismo pink or what, you know, and ours is green and orange. I mean, it looks like a martini olive, our house. So we're making a mini version of it and it's going to be right in front. And um, I am super excited about that. I I will never drive by a little free library. I like pull over and just, I love them. That is so cool. That is some serious house goals. So what is your reader wheelhouse? What subjects or tropes will always get you to pick up a book? Oh, uh, Crazy Mom memoir. I love that. Um, books about animals, you know, any Marley and me, anything like that. Um, I'll read any science book on bees um, or any fictional book on bees too. I, I just like to see what other people are doing and I like to stay on top of my beekeeping game. Um, I'll read anything about Big Sur. I love the area. Um, I just bought, um, uh, was it salt, acid, fat, heat? I love, Ooh, yeah. yeah, I love books that teach me how to be a smarter cook. Um, oh, and I just picked up a book about, uh, how to renovate an Airstream and live in it permanently. <laughs> I mean, I can't pass up Airstream anything like the shiny Chrome. I'm right there. I love them. That is so cool. Yeah. So where can we find you online and where can we buy the honey bus? Um, online it's thehoneybus.com, and that links to me and it links to all places to buy the books. But, um, I tell people, you know, it's in all the usual spots online, but the best thing you can do is call your local bookstore and see if they have it. And if they don't have it, they'll get it for you. Um, and that puts money back into the community. And that's really a sweet, nice, organic thing to do. Um, I also uh, found out it's in Costco of all places. So oh, if wow. you're a Costco person, it might be in your Costco. Wow. Well, people have to check that out while they get, you know, 5,000 hot dogs. That's I know. Awesome. Or 5,000 books. <laughs> Maybe it's coming in like a pack of 20 or something. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is author goals right there. Right? Meredith, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you. I had such a good time. 
Now it's time to solve a bookish problem from one of our listeners. Kelsey writes in, So back in October, I ordered and paid for the newest volume of Saga at one of my local comic book stores. It took a while to come in, so while I was waiting, I just read a friend's copy of the book and forgot about it. Now, because of who I am as a person, I still haven't picked up the book I ordered. At this point, I'm too embarrassed to go pick up my book. How can I ever go back in that store? I'm sure they're all joking about the person who bought a book and then didn't pick it up for almost six months. What do I do? Bria, what does Kelsey do? Okay, Kelsey. I called my local comic book shop, Secret Headquarters, and said, and told them this question. And said, what? I think I said, like, it's for a podcast, but they, like, didn't hear that part. So they probably think that I have a book there still. Um, They said people usually prepay. So this is kind of a little bit uh, moot, but they said they've held on to it for up to a year. Yeah. Which I was like, wow, that is so much longer than I thought. I was going to write Kelsey and be like, oh, six months, you're fine. Just go in there. No one's going to notice. But a year, a year. I, they said they didn't really know um, if you hadn't prepaid how long they would hold on to it. It didn't seem like very long, though. But if you prepaid, they'd hold yeah, on she, to it for she up paid, to you. so. Oh, she did pay? Yeah. Oh, she paid. Oh, I didn't read that part. Um, then uh, I think it's fine. You could go yeah. pick it up or not pick it up and just tell them the story. Yeah, it's and, one book. And also, if you prepaid, they probably are still holding on to it for you. So you may as well go tell them so they're not just holding on to it and they could put it in circulation. Yeah. Um. The truth gets you a long way. And I find in these situations, I just go and explain. I'm like, hey, I'm a dum-dum. So sorry. And, like, people are usually, like, you're not working. It's not the IRS. Like, there was, like, people who, you know what? Even the IRS will work with you if you really are having problems. Yeah. Um, Or, Kelsey, tell me the name of that comic book shop. I'll call them for you. I don't mind. I don't mind awkward conversations. I lean into them. As weird as it can get. No, that is one of Bria Grant's (laughs) fucking superpowers. I am extremely conflict-averse, and Bria was like, Bria's always like, I will go straight, I will dive headfirst into a conflict to see what happens. (laughs) Bria is, this is why you're actually a Gryffindor. Oh, maybe. I I mean, like, don't make me negotiate for a car for you or something like that, because I don't like ripping people off, but I will, like, talk about a situation that feels uncomfortable, because I'm like, let's just talk about it and see what happens. You're so, it's, you're so powerful. If you've already paid for it, just go back. Yeah. I didn't realize she had paid for it. Yeah. Yeah, just go get it, hand it off to a friend. Or make your friend go pick it up for you. Yeah. Or just say, like, I paid for this, but you can, look, you can have it. Or, like, can I use that money towards something else? Yeah, swap it around. I bet they would let you do that. Uh, What do you think? Yeah, oh, my gosh, Kelsey, shit like this happens all the time. All the time. You're fine. They won't even bat an eye at you. It's the same thing with library fines. I promise. There's so much fucking craziness happening all the time at comic book stores and bookstores and libraries that a nice customer who already paid for a book and forgot about it is not even on their radar especially since you've paid. You're not going to walk in and they're going to be like looking at the wanted posters behind the counter and be like, ah, yes, it's the forgotten girl. Yeah, they're, they're a fucking bookstore. They're going to have like a place to keep all of the books. Oh, yeah. I, and they have a back area where they keep all of the books. And I bet they keep them for a really long time. Yeah, go in there, get that book, and give it to a friend if you've already read it. I guarantee you there's, I guarantee fucking to you that they're, they're holding books for a longer period of time from someone else who did the same thing. Oh, guaranteed. Um, I used to work, not when I first moved to LA, I worked at color me mine do you know what that is no it's like where you go and you paint pottery you go and you paint pottery oh yeah people leave their mugs there for 15 years yeah and then we go and fire it for you and you come back like in a week and we show you we give it to you or whatever but people go in with their kids and they forget about that pottery and or it's like some dumb unicorn or whatever and they're just like i don't care about this dumb shit and like they're like i don't want more junk in my house Uh, and so they leave that stuff and we would hold on to it for so long 
But then the Christmas I moved to L.A., I went through and found a bunch that were like, you know, a year old or whatever. I, we had some time limit. And everyone for Christmas that year got pottery painted by some random child in Los Angeles. That's hilarious. And I got like the ugliest one. So it's like a plate where it's like, what is this? It's like gobbledygook, like yeah. all over the plate. And like <laughs> they did a horrible job. And obviously the parent is not going to come pick this up. So everyone got that for Christmas that That's year. That's amazing. Yeah. It was a good gift. Or a horrible, it was a horrible I would love that. I love weird crap like that, so that's fantastic. (laughs) So, Kelsey, you're totally fine. We will call them if you need us. And if you want us to solve your reader problem or answer your bookish question, you can send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. As always, we want to thank Danielle and Kathy who run our Facebook group and Chrissy and Rachel who moderate our Goodreads page. Remember that you can buy Reading Glasses tote bags and shirts and bookmarks in the Maximum Fun store. You can support us and show off your love of reading. There's a link in the show notes. And if you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. It's really great for us and it helps us reach more readers. You can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at readingg podcast on instagram at reading glasses podcast and you can always follow along on our bookish adventures using the general hashtag reading glasses podcast thanks for listening and And thanks thanks for reading i remembered i had some field work coming up in wisconsin so i took out my agency phone and asked for the five-day forecast in madison the animation of a handsome young agent with startling blue eyes appeared on the screen According to GPS, Owen said, you're at USMS headquarters in Suitland, Maryland. Our chief technology engineer, Dr. Gustav Klaus, had put a lot of time and energy into Owen's artificial intelligence interface. But the more human-like the interface became, the more trouble I had interacting with it. I'll be flying out later this week. Just, I held the phone closer to my mouth and half barked into it. Weather conditions, Madison, Wisconsin. My voice was louder than expected, and a fellow agent frowned at me as she passed. You sound stressed, Owen said. The animation's eyebrows arched slightly to demonstrate its concern. While you're in Madison, you should take some time for yourself and check out Lake Monona. It's supposed to be nice. The weather, Owen. I just need to know the weather. Oh, it's the middle of June, Owen said. I bet it's gorgeous. Excerpt from The Municipalists by Seth Fried. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.